Hello, hello. Welcome back to 90 Day Thoughts, a podcast where we talk shit about reality TV. And today we're going to talk shit about Before the 90 Days Season 5, Episode 14. So let's start with Jasmine and Gino. In the last episode, Jasmine got upset over Gino for going to Legoland six years ago with his ex and not telling her about it. Who the hell cares? I feel like it's such a dumb fight, but I do understand where Jasmine's coming from because she just found out like a couple days ago, Gino sent private pictures of her to his ex so like I get that Jasmine's having trust issues however she did choose to stay with him despite that and I feel like once you make the decision to stay with a partner who has hurt you then you kind of have to like try and get over what happened. I used to have a friend, we're no longer friends, but she had a boyfriend who cheated on her a bunch of times and she took him back over and over and over again. But then every time he would go out or do anything, she was super paranoid and they would fight all the time. And then she would bring up his past cheating, which I understand, of course, her paranoia and her insecurities are valid because of what he did to her. But I feel like if you're not able to get over that, which is fine, you don't have to get over that. Don't stay in the relationship, just break up. I feel like that is the best and the most healthiest thing to do for yourself. But yeah, Jasmine, I mean, I could tell Jasmine really, 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 really loves Gino for whatever reason. In this episode, I could tell she was very nervous. She was biting her nails. She had a very different energy. It was a side of her that we didn't see at all because... This whole time, she was always the super dominant one who called all the shots and Gina would just kind of follow her and stay quiet and he was way more submissive. But when Gino flipped out and he left her and he hadn't come back for a while, she was nervous. And I think she was kind of afraid as if maybe she pushed him too far And she might have been thinking, oh crap, what if he really leaves me? Like, he's actually not coming back. And so I could kind of see her thinking about that. I mean, I'm totally guessing. And then eventually she's like, okay, I'm going to go look for him. And uh, she finds him, they talk, and this scene was so sad to me. When I looked at Jasmine in this scene, I saw a very insecure, broken person who was so emotionally dependent on Gino. This guy who absolutely betrayed her trust just a few days ago. She tells him that she needs him. And that made me feel so sad for her. The ball was totally in his court when it should be in hers. And Gino yet again shows no emotion while she's pouring her heart out. She's literally crying her eyes out. And then in the interview scene, he was crying. So I guess he's just a very awkward person who can't really show his emotions in the moment. It's a very strange thing, but I get it because my dad's like that. And I know a few other people like that. I myself used to be like that. And it's so bizarre. But when I did see Gino cry in the interview scene, I was like, oh, okay, so he is a human. He's not a robot. (laughs) But yeah, they decide to stay together, start fresh, and Gino proposes to her and she accepts. And then he's like, do you like the ring? And she's like, um, it's kind of big. Is it a real diamond? Because she knows a real diamond that size would cost way more than Gino would ever spend. (laughs) And when they zoomed in on her hand, that gold, it looked like spray paint. And also he spent way too much money on that ring because for that quality of ring, I'm sure he could have found the same one for around $29.99 somewhere else. 
And listen, I'm not saying that you need to spend a bunch of money on a ring, but I would expect you to spend more than what you would spend on a sugar baby. But that's just me though. Anyway, they seem really happy, at least in this episode, so like, I wish them well. I mean, who the hell am I to rain on their parade, you know? Next is Kimbali and Usman. So Kimberly is in her hotel room. She's packing up her shit. She's still pissed off. Remember, she told Usman that he needs to prove to her that he loves her. And um, she's like, I'm going to get on a flight right now. And all of a sudden, ding! she gets a text message from him and he tells her to meet him outside and you guys she switched up so fast she was like she was like oh i'm gonna leave like i can't do this anymore and then and then she's like wow i wasn't expecting this (laughs) he oh my um i guess i have to go see what he wants i'm so nervous why am i sweating (sighs) so she goes to the beach There's flower petals on the sand surrounding a table with more flowers and she sits down and all of the sudden you hear, (laughs) you say, you say, oh, don't play no games, oh, I met a girl on the internet, oh, she buys me whatever I want, oh, (laughs) and Kim is so happy. Her cheeks are about to break from smiling so hard. And she's like, okay, I'm convinced. I'm totally convinced. Like, you totally convinced me that you love me. And did anyone else notice that when they were cheersing, she was like, okay, cheers to sleeping in my room again tonight. Ew, Kim. And then Usman leans in to kiss her on the lips. And I'm like, oh, he knows exactly how to butter her up. He probably should have done that sooner so that they could have avoided this whole entire fight and that drink thrown in his face, but whatever. And then he invites her to go to Nigeria to meet his mom. And she's like, really? (laughs) Okay, here's my thought. We all know the season is coming to an end. So I'm thinking that he invited her so that he can be on the next season (laughs) so that there's something else to film. Um, That was my thought. All right, next, let's talk about Memphis and Hamza. I want to start off by saying that Memphis is so incredibly frustrating to me. She is a horrible communicator and it drives me so freaking mental. It makes me sad for Hamza because they already struggle with communication because of their language barrier. But on top of that, Memphis doesn't even try to explain through the translator. She doesn't even try. Like, I don't even think she cares. She shuts down and expects him to leave her alone. Like, how ridiculous is it that the night before they started their wedding celebrations, she leaves his house and goes to a hotel. And he's all worried because, like, what person wouldn't be worried? And he's like, wait, why are you leaving? Stay here. And then she just goes, we'll talk about it later. Bye. No, that's unacceptable. So Hamza's all stressed out wondering why she left and what's going on with her. And look, I get that Memphis wanted some time to herself so that she didn't have to feel pressure to not get the prenup. I get it. But if you're going to marry someone, you have to communicate with them. I'm totally for the prenup. I support her in that. If she wants to protect herself and her kids, then do it. But it's also frustrating that she didn't prepare any of this before her trip. Like she knew she was going to get married and then you don't even have the prenup handled ahead of time. You don't even know how long it's going to take to have it processed. She didn't know anything. That makes no sense considering that the prenup is so important to her. 
Also a pet peeve is that she keeps using her children as to why she needs this prenup, which is valid, okay? Which is absolutely valid and I agree with her. But here's where I'm like kind of not understanding this. I'm not trying to tell her how to parent, but I guess I'm about to, so whatever. If her children's security, safety, and protection are so important to her, why are you marrying a stranger that you met online that your children have never even met? Like, she's lucky that Hamza seems like a nice, normal guy and his family seems so sweet. But again, you never really know. Like, what if she met a psychopath? Do you know how many true crime stories I've heard where the men are super charming and amazing at first and then they get married and things change? What if she met a total creep? I personally think it's so irresponsible to bring a man into your home that your young children have never met. And suddenly he lives there, he's a part of the family, and he's their dad? They've never met, they've never spent time together? I feel bad for judging someone's parenting, but because I feel like this endangers children, it really bothers me and it scares me. So every time Memphis is like, I need this prenup to protect my children, I cringe girl, if you wanted to protect your children, maybe don't marry a stranger that you met on the internet. Anyway, she goes back to Hamza's house and they've already started the celebrations. But before the actual wedding, she wants confirmation from Hamza that he's going to sign the postnup. And then um, he gets upset over it because she's bringing it up. He doesn't get it, but she won't explain. (laughs) But he eventually agrees to sign it because he's like, okay, whatever makes you happy, you know? I understand both sides when it comes to this prenup and postnup stuff. Um, Obviously, Memphis has worked incredibly hard to become a nurse practitioner despite her traumatic and very difficult childhood, and she wants to protect all her things should a divorce happen. It makes perfect sense to me. Hamza, on the other hand, he doesn't get it because one, divorce isn't common in their culture, nor is a contract about how a divorce is handled prior to your wedding day, you know, or like right after the wedding. I get that it can be confusing. I get it because I used to be like that too. I used to be like, why are you signing a contract about divorce when you're getting married? Like, then why get married, you know? So I get where he's coming from. On top of that, Hamza has trauma from his childhood when his dad left him and his sister and his mom because remember he was like, he left us with nothing. So when Memphis keeps saying, if we get a divorce, you're gonna have nothing. You're gonna leave with nothing. It's pretty triggering, understandably. I would think. So this is where Memphis can sit down and take some time to explain all of this in a way that he can try to understand, but she won't do that. So whatever. Now, last but not least, let's talk about Mike and Jimena. Wow, 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 wow. We are finally seeing Mike's true colors. Last week was definitely an eye-opener when he agreed to give Jimena space, but then still asked her to sleep with him. If you're watching this video and you don't know how they met, quickly, they basically met on a website where she used to work as a cam girl. And he was a customer. He fell in love with her. He told her to quit her job as a cam girl. And in exchange, he would pay for her living expenses. So everyone who's saying, oh, she's using him for the money. She just wants her rent paid. Uh, yeah, that was their arrangement. And they, they both agreed to that. 
Okay, so back at Jimena's house, her mom notices that she's avoiding Mike and she's like, Jimena, what's going on? And she's like, he's filthy, he's clingy, he's really weird, and he's gross. And her mom's like, listen, try to work it out. He seems like a really nice guy and he's really nice to your kids. And Jimena, you can just see it in her face. She has the ick. And honestly, speaking from experience with a clingy guy myself, I can understand her annoyance with him. I remember my freshman year of college, there was a guy on my floor. He seemed super chill, super cool. It was like the first day I didn't know anyone. So we became friends or friendly and he invited me to dinner. And so I was like, oh, okay. And then I guess that was our first date or so he thought because that night he told me that he liked me. (laughs) And I was like, um, okay. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. well, I just met you like two hours ago. So let's just kind of be friends and see where it goes. And he was like, oh, okay. Wait, did I mention that he lives on my floor? Because he lived on my floor. So I would see him all the time. You know why? Because he would be right outside my door all the time. And he'd always want to hang out. He would text me. He would call me. He would knock on my door. When I was at the library, he would come find me. Whenever I was on campus, we had these cute little booths and I would go sit in one and there would always be like an empty chair across from me. And he would come find me and sit in the empty chair and he would talk to me. And I... There were so many times where I would be like, hey, like, listen, I got to do homework. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I could do some work, too. And I'd be like, oh, OK, whatever. As long as he's doing homework and he's not talking to me. But then he would keep talking. He'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way. Blah. I'd be like, yeah, OK. And then, you know, read again. And then he would talk again. I, I've never wanted to punch someone so hard. And it came to a point where I finally had to like put in headphones so that I could ignore him. I could hear him talking through my headphones and I would just pretend I didn't hear him. I would keep reading. I wouldn't look up. And then he would just look at me. He would just stare. And that made me so mad. I stopped doing homework there. I stopped going to the library. I just stayed in my dorm room. And then he would start knocking on my door like, hey, what are you doing? Holy shit. There are so many times I didn't open my dorm room when my roommate wasn't there. I would just pretend I wasn't in my room. And when my roommate was there, I would make her open the door. And if it was that guy, I would tell her to tell him that I was not there. Um, yeah. So it's annoying as fuck. So I understand why Jimena wants to kill him. Um, <laughs> so Jimena's mom goes and talks to Mike and Mike is like, hey, can I get some advice? And then her mom goes, just be patient with her. Wrong advice, mom. To tell a stage five clinger to be patient. Oh my God, I would rather die. Her mom's like, you know what? You're her first serious boyfriend. So just be patient. You're a good guy. I really like you. You know what? Why don't you date him, Mrs. Mrs. Morales? I'm sure Mike wouldn't mind. You look enough like Jimena and, you know, he can pay for you. So why don't you date him if you like him so much? So at nighttime, they're in the car together on their way to play some pool. You can just see it in her face that she does not give a fuck about him. She doesn't want him to speak. But Mike, being Mike, keeps staring at her and he tells her, hey, you're pretty. (laughs) And she's like... Thank you. (laughs) And then he goes, how about me? And she's like, you look the same. (laughs) 
<laughs> Even when they're playing pool, he just follows her around like a little sad puppy dog. And she's like, get the fuck away from me or I'll throw your little body over this pool table. They sit down to talk and Mike tells her that he feels like she's checked out of the relationship after he stopped buying her things. And this pisses her off. And she's like, no, it's because you're fucking weird and creepy. I don't like you. And then she breaks up with him and tells him that they're only friends going forward. And she also says, do not send me money anymore. Do not buy me anything. I'm going to pay for my own things. And dun, dun, dun. I think this is when Mike realized that they're actually really done because he knows that they're only together because of their deal. Like he would pay for her living expenses. And so he gets really pissed off and he's like, so we're just going to be friends after a year and a half of talking. And she's like, yeah, you're not my boyfriend. I am not your girlfriend. And Mike is so so petty, like so freaking petty that he tells her that he's going to take back everything he bought for her. What the fuck? You loser. Jimena's like, fine, go ahead. Take everything in my apartment. I don't care. I don't need it. And then he gets even more upset because he knows now he can't control her. She's done. And this is when I realized Oh, he was testing her. He was threatening her when he was like, oh, I'm going to take everything that I bought back because he was hoping that she would give in again. Because remember in the last episode, she gave in when he was going to break up with her. And, and then she even gave in again by sleeping with him. And so he probably thought, oh, I can get her to give in. I'm just going to tell her that I'm really going to take everything that I bought from her and then she's going to have to give in. But she didn't. And then that surprised him and that pissed him off. And then he ran away. I don't know where he thought he was going to go. He really thought he could control her with his money. Gross. Jimena made the best decision by dumping his ass like she doesn't need him. And you know what? I'm not even mad anymore about her wanting him to pay for her boob job. He should have. Listen, if that was their agreement, I would have asked too. I'm just saying. In the preview for the next episode, he tells her, Oh, this just proves that you were only using me for the money. Bitch, shut the fuck up. You used her too. This was a transactional relationship that you proposed. <laughs> and then she tells him, You're going to sleep in a hotel and you need to leave because, you know, they're broken up now. And this loser tells her, I pay rent so I'm not leaving? Oh my God. This is the real Mike, ladies and gents. This is the real Mike. And I'm so glad it's all coming out. That creeper. You guys have to let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let me know what you thought of this episode. What do you think about Jimena? What do you think about Mike? What do you think about what happened? I feel like this is crazy. I mean, I was really shook. I cannot wait to see what happens next week. So until then, have a fabulous week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.